0: any kind of profession any kind of career is always changing and if you are always staying on top of that and trying to be better at it throughout your entire career that's a professional to me boom Welcome to Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. And on this show, I talk to professionals of all different types of areas and industries, whether it be corporate stars, entrepreneurs, or business owners, and just talk a little bit about what's allowed them to be successful in their respective areas so far. And today, I have Devin Roberts and Danny Carenter on. And we're gonna talk a little bit about you guys and your recent professional developments, what's been going on there, as well as a little bit about content creation and some other stuff. Thank you guys
1: so much for being on. Thanks for having me back. Dude, Love to be here. Absolutely.
0: It's great to have you guys in the studio.
1: That's right. The new studio, the Content Corner.
0: The Content Corner. So we're doing this out of, uh, it's. it's been on my podcast already, but this is the, uh, the Content Corner studio. Devin and I actually kind of built the studio together. Danny, you were actually here recording ours right before we got the actual access to the room, so we would recorded it in the conference room down the hall, but it's, it's great to have you here now that we've built it out a little
1: bit. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me. I remember I was seeing this, and I was like, you know what, I kind of want to check it out, and so, um, you know, surprisingly, you know, when I was like, hey, I want to record you guys just to promote you guys, and then you were like, oh, just come by. You don't need to, like, pay us. Yeah. That was quite generous. Um, thank you, though, um, for that, and um you know, I love it. It's um, it's cozy in here, but it's like your own little flavor, and it's very professional in how it looks.
0: Thank you, yeah. We wanted it to be just very, very broad, not like a very specific type of studio because the hope is that it kind of curates a little bit of a content creation culture more so in the Orlando market here downtown, and that we we hope that more and more people come in here and do podcasts, create content, and that kind of thing, so...
1: So, For you two, what does it exactly mean to create content?
0: I was gonna ask you about that question. Thanks for kicking that off Oh, um, My bad. No, no, that's perfect I, I really wanted to talk about that actually to me I mean, I think you could start out in its simplest form I mean you could consider really anything content you could take a picture of This remote right here and that would technically be a piece of content, but I think in the professional sense, I think it's something it's some kind of creation of of a digital format that provides value in some way
1: ideally. That that's yeah. that's a pretty good de- blanket definition.
0: Yeah, I would say just something that something that provides value in your respective area whether it's something in your industry or something or other. How about you? What would you say, Devin?
2: I'm going to say an original creation that you're putting out on social media yeah because i can't think of any content really that doesn't kind of fall into a different category that doesn't go on social media like if it's a commercial right it's almost production at that point or if it's a movie it's a whole different thing if you're making content that's almost at like a a social media or a, a brand account level and original content that you're creating, curating, and putting out there.
1: So you don't think a feature film would be necessarily be considered content? Not in
2: the same category, no, okay. because someone couldn't come here, right? So when we say we're trying to curate the, the content creators here, like in Orlando, if someone's trying to do a feature film, that's so far from what Brody or I, or maybe even okay. you were trying to do, that I think there's a disconnect there. What we're looking for is people who have, you know, maybe, I do want to say individual projects, but unique... Um, skills, projects, businesses that need to be promoted and the need to get in front of people and content is kind of their avenue to getting there. I find that's kind of the commonality.
0: And I would say to piggyback off of that, you know, we're seeing that this is something we talked about off air that we wanted to cover is that this concept of content just kind of becoming king right now. The way I see a lot of brands, businesses, people in respective industries blowing up really across pretty much any industry you can imagine is just by creating valuable content that's kind of why i got caught up on the the value aspect of it really you're seeing people in any given industry kind of grow and and thrive and kind of almost create a shortcut for success in their in their area by just delivering valuable content in mass so i think that's really why we wanted to create this is just a, a place for people to be able to do that and and kind of help them get over that learning curve. No,
2: exactly. The learning curve was the biggest thing. People just, I mean, us individually just had a lot of um, hurdles that we had to get over for us to be able to make the level of quality content, and to understand it to the degree that we do. And by no means are we, you know, the four leading experts, but we can help people skip a lot of the things that held us up or maybe slowed us down and getting to our best possible levels of content.
1: You guys are a good medium for, uh, per se, for, um, you know, an incubator, if you will.
0: Right. That's, yeah, incubator is a good word. I We would love for this to be kind of just an incubator of hopefully even, you know, content better than either of us are capable of creating. I hopefully. like that word. Yeah, it's a fun word. And it, it like it I was saying, way. like, I would love to have people in here creating content that are just creating more valuable stuff than either of us are capable of and just, and use it as something, yeah, like a medium For delivery for someone who doesn't necessarily want to specialize in the area of production, video creation, and social media, but uh, just need someone to help them bridge that gap.
1: And then also, like, another thing that I like about this is that um, since you are inviting people from the area, you're giving them something that they might not exactly have access to that they would in their house i mean granted that's how i have it set up but that's because you know i took it upon myself to do that but then you know if i didn't have that avenue i would definitely come here though because um you know there's there's a good amount of parking out front Mm -hmm. we got really lucky in that regard you two are very hospitable and um you know that's so those are two very those are two two at least good characteristics of a good place to conduct business these are really hitting me. I
2: find you're kind of the exception to the rule for most people with us, Danny, where you kind of have the two things a lot of people, I think, come here looking for, where you have high-quality equipment that you use to record, right, that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. And you're already so well plugged in to the Orlando just culture and space and people know you and know your name. And that's so awesome because I think what you have and what you've done with your podcast is a lot of what we're trying to create for other people. Okay. So when they come in here, they don't have that equipment. They don't have those cameras. They don't have the lights. And if they were to, even if they did have it all, to set it up would take them a crazy amount of time. And then to edit it and then to post it. And then very likely no one's going to see it. But now that Brody's had this podcast, you know, me and you watch episodes and clips that he puts out because we've been on here. And other people from around Orlando who are business owners or prominent people in Orlando also watch it and share it and keep up on the Facebook group and things of that nature. So it gives them not only the equipment that they need, but also an audience that starts watching them so it gives them kind of that two-pronged advantage when they come here
1: oh i didn't even think about that second part yeah
0: yeah that's that's a huge part of it we would love for this to become kind of a cross promotional hub almost where if there's multiple content creators coming in here maybe there's some crossover of different areas if there's a lawyer coming in and creating some legal content and you know like a A real estate agent coming in and creating some real estate content maybe people find both of their content maybe there's some crossover where someone wants to be investing in real estate and they need some legal advice on the best way to do that heck heck even people when they're just like oh i recognize the background yeah sure and they'd start asking uh, where what is that background what is it maybe we should check that out but yeah we just want to really we want to help kind of play our part in adding to the content creation culture in
1: Orlando. And it's actually, it's huge, especially, so you actually got it at a good time, because Orlando is an up-and-coming city in the United States, not that it wasn't already, but it's just that, you know, now we're known more for than just, you know, Disney or Universal.
2: Past tourism now.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's
0: right. And... Orlando, obviously, we're over here on the East Coast. I think there's a there's a lot going on on the West Coast with content creation,
1: and has been for a while now. For but sure, West Coast of U.S. or Florida? West Coast of U.S. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was gonna say we're pretty close to the West Coast of Florida, and even then, that's also becoming a huge hub as well. Like, how I have a lot of friends that are real estate agents, and so um, a couple of my friends at the Align um, Real Estate Agent Company, they were talking about how like Central Florida, like Tampa and Orlando, is coming. a um, a super area of the United States.
2: Tampa and Orlando is absolutely a super area of the United States right now. That central mid-Florida area. That
0: quick little bridge of I-4 between the two, you can hop back and forth, and they're both major, major cities.
2: They're building a train now. You're not even going to have to take I-4. Yup. They're taking a train straight from here to Tampa. They're saying it'll take, like, what, 40 minutes to get? That's game-changing. I'm going to be in Tampa all the time. Right. That's what I'm saying. If it's 40 minutes away by train, you don't have to sit on I-4 traffic. Heck,
1: yeah.
0: That's a that's time to pregame if you just want to hit the dance <laughs> bars. I mean, that's,
1: as far as I'm concerned, yeah, just to go over there for a Bucks game or a Lightning game coming sure. up. Sure, I mean, hockey, oh, yeah, hockey makes...
0: Yeah, because Orlando has a lot of the sports teams that Tampa doesn't have, and vice versa, right? And they have the Rays,
2: of. they got the Bucks, they have yeah. the
1: Lightning. I think. Yeah, or? we've got
0: a soccer team, a basketball team that they don't have. So there's right. kind of like. Between the two, you've got everything. I All mean,
1: I know we have the Solar Bears, but if I if I've come to like plant my roots in the city, if I ever become super rich, I want to bring an NHL team here. That would be cool. That would be really cool. I think we could use more professional teams
0: in Orlando. I mean, it's just it's a great city for going to professional sports games, especially in this downtown hub. Like you can get around super easy. We've got the SunRail, and you can hop down from cool like, scooters. Cool scooters. Yeah, I love those scooters. You're, Danny, you're always on the scooters. I I, I I assume that lime scooter out there was you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <Heck> yeah. <laughs>
2: Why would you do anything else? It's the best part about getting around town.
0: Exactly. I mean, they're just they're they're everywhere. You could hop on them immediately and just get exactly where you need to go.
1: Come to think of it, I think in my future I might actually buy my own.
0: Some people have those. I mean, those make it even easier. You just, like, take it up where you want to go. But there is something about being able to just leave it anywhere. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. which is weird because, like, in some countries like Finland, like, you can leave your kids out in the open, and yet they won't be touched. It's insane. It
0: would be easier if just everything was that way, I guess.
1: Right, but then, I don't know, some people just have to make things less fun for the rest of us. But two people that do make things fun for the rest of us are you two. Make I love thi- your segues. Yeah, I'm trying, but um, yeah, you guys make things fun, especially in terms of content creation. Because besides this little studio, they have—if I'm not—if I'm correct, you guys have an extra, not studio, but you have an extra addition to this space right here
2: kind of we have a friend who has one who kind of inspired us to start working with this space so we have the two rooms here which is the podcast that we actually own down here in orlando originally got inspired by a friend of ours um andy varn shout out varns media um he's been on the podcast a couple times yeah i think i was on the last episode with him and he built one up up
0: here to get to his interview
2: yeah right up here (laughs) somewhere Um, But he, yeah, he um, built one up in Jacksonville, had really built a media brand for himself up there. He's one of the absolute most well-known and professional um, photographers in Jacksonville right now. And kind of what he did and what he built inspired us and gave us some tips to be able to get where we are with our studio. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so don't ever give us too much credit because we got to shortcut pretty much everything with this studio. Right. We learned from one of the best, for sure. Yeah.
1: Everybody had to learn. There had to be the first person that learned that one thing that you guys are learning right now yeah in
0: our
2: group that's definitely him and eli for sure Mm -hmm.
1: but uh yeah it's kind of makes me think of like you know we all we know all these plants nowadays are poisonous but that's only because somebody had to mess up and find out the hard way
0: yeah there's certain things in life that you have to wonder like how did someone discover that i always wonder like who's the guy that first milked a cow what was that guy thinking (laughs) like that guy was probably an absolute recluse in his town. Like no, Everyone was like, I'm not talking to that guy again. Yeah.
2: It was a goat first. It was a goat Yeah, first. it was originally a goat.
1: Of course it was.
2: I guess that maybe makes more sense. I mean, Either think one. about if You saw it. You're thirsty, right? And there's two others: a goat this big, and a cow 3,000 pounds. Yep. Which one are you going for? I'm yeah. taking on the
0: goat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Both pretty docile creatures, too. It was going to be one of them.
1: Unless you enter from the back in which their kicks can...
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> Goats are odd. Goats are weird to be around those eyes that they have. The yeah, little the, like.
1: The irises. It's, at, it's yeah. so they can see um a much farther degree. And also they're they're retramagent. What does that mean? They, they pee backwards. <laughs> How do you
0: pee backwards? <laughs> like it goes uh, <laughs> backwards?
1: Yeah. Huh. Retramagent.
0: I wonder what the biological it's advantage of New
1: word that is. of the day. Uh, maybe maybe pee while uh, escaping. Running?
2: Yeah, running. Yeah, that's about what I was gonna say. You can pee that
0: while. That makes in. a lot of
2: sense, huh?
1: Without getting your fur. i
0: I've never seen a goat run though. They they're usually kind of slow.
2: But can that be so advantageous that like, evolution said, you know what? Let's flip this shit around. Like, there's no way. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it makes a ton of sense when you think about it. They could just stay on the move, even if they're not running. They're just kind of. Yeah. Plugging and going.
1: But being on the move is quite important, especially in today's business world. Yes. Because it is all very hustle and bustle. And so um, one thing that I do like about this um, studio is the fact that it is so compact, but at the same time, it's very, it's easy to use. It's not portable per se. It's not portable, but it's just that it's convenient. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for.
0: That's the goal. I So I do have kind of a mobile setup that I'll take if I want to record a podcast kind of in a different city or a different place or something. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole another set of equipment and that's kind of by design because we wanted the studio to be something where all the equipment just stays in here someone else can come if we if we had someone that was recording a podcast in here regularly they could just have a key come in kind of do their thing and uh and all the equipment's going to be here you just plug in new sd cards and and make it happen so Got my little control center over here, and
1: yeah, got. I'm very jealous of that uh pop of that uh podcaster or that of the. The pod episode. track. The yeah. pod, pod track. track PA. I
0: guess we don't really ever talk about our equipment that much. We could kind of go through that. That might yeah. be interesting.
1: Yeah, give us a tour of the Stu Studio.
0: Yeah, and then we could talk about the equipment you use too, because yours is a little bit different. You're. I would say a
1: little bit ahead of us with some of your equipment I don't know with about your that. cameras and stuff. I don't know about that. After seeing all this, I'm like, I don't know. I got to speed up on some things. But yeah, talk sure, to us thanks. about some, uh, some of the equipment you got here. So if you are trying to get into podcasting and do your own thing,
0: um, what we ended up doing kind of between the two of us is we got this package on Amazon, again, at the recommendation of our friend Andy that kind of did it first. Uh, we got the pod track p8 the zoom pod track p8 zoom spelled just like the video conferencing company and it comes in a package with that with four of these microphones and uh this one that i'm talking out of has a little arm attached to it It comes with four of those arms four little kind of tripod things like danny and Devin's, like Uh, here yeah, and then all of the um, all of the cords and attachments and everything, uh, four sets of headphones and an SD card. We got that for, I want to say, right around 1200 bucks off of Amazon, so we'd split that. Um, so that's the whole kind of audio setup. So if you're doing just audio, that covers you right there. And then um, as far as we're actually recording on Danny's cameras right now because they're a little bit better. That makes that easier to show these, though. But yeah, yeah, that's kind of convenient there. So these are both uh, Canon EOS 70Ds. Um, The thing I like about these is they've got the little screen that flips out on the side. We actually have wall mounts on the corners of the walls of the studio, Uh, just little arms coming off of the wall that are bracketed to the wall. And these just screw in and you just throw in an SD card and hit record. Uh, We've got the canon 50 millimeter lens on here is like 150 bucks a lens nifty 50 the nifty yep. 50 as as Danny informed us and the cool thing about this is it's just a very simple kind of lens it um it records at one distance but you can adjust the focus however you want so it works if you're just kind of recording something stationary like a podcast it's really crispy clear for portraits as well so Super crisp. very crispy clear for portraits and so we just used one of these on each corner, just kind of keep them in place most of the time. And uh, other than that, um, I don't. it's not really going to be in frame. I guess I could get up and just kind of show it real quick. Um,
2: no, you I, just no, talk about it. Just tell people about it. I won't do it.
0: that because then I'll have to adjust the camera again. But we've got just like a TV bracketed to the wall in case we want to show something visually.
1: Um, just a couple tables that we got on Ikea for, like, a hundred bucks a piece. Um. There's this one, there's this one teddy bear that Ikea sells, and it's called a Skog. What is that? It's, like, a six-foot teddy bear. I've got a six-foot teddy
2: bear before. I've done one of those terrible choice buys. Yeah. I just... God. Why do you say terrible choice? Because it's a nuisance. After the first five minutes, you get the six-foot teddy bear for a girl. Oh, it's so cute. And now it's just something in your way for the rest of time. That's I guess it is words.
0: pretty massive. What
2: you going to do with a six-foot teddy
0: bear? Uh,
1: I don't know. I feel like there's a lot you can do with it. You Girlf-
2: just-
0: Girlfriend's out of town. Need someone to cuddle. Oh,
1: oh okay. Good. <laughs> okay. I like the cuddling route because I was yeah. like, be careful what you say here.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. yeah that could have gotten a really
2: Dark this direction, is, I guess.
1: Y- this
0: is Yunkle Skog.
2: Yeah, that's that's a little much. That
0: is massive. It's not only six feet. It's like six feet wide, too. Yeah, it's
2: also fat. It's not six <laughs> yeah. feet like minimum.
0: It also looks kind of menacing. Like it's it <laughs> That's not
2: like so, a nice teddy bear. Like oh,
1: nice what are you talking about? Bear. I think it looks like a bear in the big blue house.
0: Yeah, that's what oh, it
1: looks like, is God. bear in the big like, blue the... house. Oh, I forgot about that. I love oh, wow, it. Wow, you smell quite delicious.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, what a creepy show.
1: Yeah, well, it kind of was if you, like, look back
0: on it now, I guess. I never thought of it as creepy when I was watching it as a kid, though. It's a, just a fun
2: show. Yeah, but the people filming it had to think of it as creepy. That's the issue. As you're sitting there, you're like, how did someone in editing be like, green light? Yeah, who, who lit this?
1: Oh, I, so I know this is a professional podcast, but since it's technically an industry, I've always wondered, you know, are editors in the porn industry ever, like, paid enough? Because I feel like they have to, like— because as an editor, I know for a fact you have to, like, go not only watch the clips, but you have to go through it every single time to make sure that everything is on point. No,
2: they're not paid enough.
1: I feel like they're not. I feel like the
0: same thing. I feel like they're not paid enough,
1: but I feel like the
0: job is payment enough for them. Like, I feel like they're picking those kind of people. You okay. Know I mean? Like, you, you know what? kind but, of people that, like, kind of get off to, like, zooming in on a taint.
1: <laughs> great sorry if that's not so, sorry if this is not something that we can put on your podcast that's
2: the most clippable moment I, of the whole podcast you i, I may
1: or may not leave that in we'll see okay i, I, I mean the thing in. is that you know as much as people like to kind of crap <laughs> on it because you know it's so ludicrous but the thing is that you know it's an industry over it's a multi-billion dollars industry a very so, profitable one i mean it's kind of not i mean you know it's not sick but you know it's just interesting to think that you know people you know it's such a ha-ha moment, but then you know it's also like worth billions of dollars. I again don't know if I'll leave this in or not because I don't know if he'll want me to,
0: but I don't know if you know this. Our friend Andy that we were talking about earlier, actually got approached to shoot porn one time, and he ended up saying no because he was just like like they offered him what was a lot of money for him at the time. He's the photographer we were talking about. Mm-hmm. He got approached to shoot porn one time and he was just like, Damn, that's a lot of money, but I don't think I want my career to take that direction right now. Like, it's yeah. just not like necessarily the direction
1: I'm trying to go. Kind of crazy. Have you ever been approached for that? Um, as as jokes, yes, but never anything like too <laughs> serious. And I'm like, okay, good.
0: The jokes do happen a lot. Like, a few people that have come in here in the studio even are just like, what, "Man, you shooting porn in here? Like, what's going yeah, on?" Yeah,
1: like I don't know, or like for example like whenever we're sitting somewhere like when I have multiple guests you know I call it the podcasting couch but then you know that's the thing
2: oh if anyone makes one of those jokes I'm like oh so you really have only seen a camera one place in your whole life like yeah say, yeah it's <laughs> like if you see a camera lying you're like wow casting couch I'm like you absolutely need to go we get know off where you're from huh?
0: right yeah <laughs> on a different note though yeah so one thing I wanted to talk about I Meant to bring this up earlier, we had another tangent I kind of wanted to hop off on. Danny, I kind of wanted to talk about your new gig that you got recently, because this is a pretty recent development, definitely since the last time we did the podcast, but pretty recent in general.
1: So, um, yeah, I just got a freelance uh, uh, gig with a financial publishing company, and so I'll be video editing with them. Thank you very much. And so um, I've been essentially, um, when I got laid off from my full-time job two years ago during the pandemic, that was like the last time I had full time money. Besides then I've been like just keeping up with like, you know, due to photography and like a you know a few part time jobs here now. And then but it's just it felt so relieving to hear an offer for something full time because, you know, when you're searching for two years and nothing really, you know, is a great prospect, it's um it where it um it takes a toll on you mentally. And so you know, you, you it and the worst part is it doesn't only stay in your brain because the way that it like it affects your life it kind of shows itself throughout your daily actions.
0: So You got this position. Another thing I think is really cool about it, aside from just being full-time money, you have a little bit of flexibility with it as well. It is a work-from-home position. And so because it's a work-from-home position, I I know you expressed you've been able to kind of keep up with the podcast a little bit better just because of that, because you're not necessarily for, uh, for a few different reasons, I guess, you're not necessarily forced into always having to drum up business for yourself and and kind of keep up with that while you're doing the podcast, but also you've got that financial security. You can, if you want, you could probably reinvest a little bit of your take home into the podcast
1: and kind of help yourself there. It's got to be just like a lot. It's got to be really good for the podcast and everything else you're doing. Absolutely, and especially since like since it's work from home, I don't have to take. I don't have to wait an hour of, of a commute in order to you know work start working on it. But even then, it's not like you know back then. You know, I would just go home and not just even start on my podcast. I'd want to like wind down first, change. Right. The, you know, there's a transitional time. Yeah. What are
0: some of the biggest benefits you see in work from home?
1: capabilities um the fact that um even though that most people work in eight hour shifts i highly doubt people are working every single minute of those eight hours
0: so so you think you could are you kind of suggesting like you think you could be a little more productive
1: if you're working in maybe like little shorter stints oh 100 and the best part is like you know if it's like oh i need to go sweep the floor that just gets done because all because you have the energy where you are to sweep it because at the end of the day, you know, after a commute, two out you know, two hours both there and back of um af- of being somewhere I don't want to be, the last thing I want to do is sweep my floor because all of my energy all my energy is mental and it was spent towards just getting through the job that I didn't like, not at my house. Do you think you're more or less productive
0: working from home? Productive like, easily. Like st- and I'll, I'll kind of isolate it to just your actual full-time position. Like, do you think that you're more or less productive in your full-time position?
1: I'm very productive because I've come to learn to – just. well, I'm the person that likes to stay at home. So, therefore, it's like – excuse me. Whenever I'm doing something, it's like I can work on something both personal and sure. A lot of people talk about that disconnect from home life and working life. But the thing is that – You know, For me, I I like to blend those two things together because it makes me feel more productive and less feeling bad about how um, I'm taking time for myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I
0: know what you mean. I also think in a non-work-from-home environment, and of course there's exceptions, but I would say the vast majority, at least in my experience, because I've had experiences with both – like you kind of said before, not everyone, people are not necessarily working for eight hours straight a lot of times. You're kind of just a lot of times figuring out how to fill the time. So you kind of almost make yourself less productive just to fill the time. And if you're working from home, there's not that same pressure, and you can kind of just be efficient with your time. There's something that realistically takes you 30 minutes. You might make it take an hour and a half or two in the office, honestly, because you're right. trying to
1: fill the time. <laughs> right, it's just like those essays that where it's like, the day that I was born on just so happened to be the day that also blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. You're sp- doing that one episode
0: where... of SpongeBob where he takes like eight hours to write the word the.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. It's one of those principles. But yeah, um, they try to find distractions. And it's not like it's out of spite for their boss. It's just, you know, of course when we're given a task Um, yes, it needs to be done. But at the same time, you know, no one's holding a gun to your head unless that gun is your salary and they decide to take that away from you.
0: Yeah, and another thing kind of in that same line of thinking, right, is I'm speaking a little bit from experience here, having been in some some positions of management in the past and currently, is as a manager or a boss, whatever you want to call it, you got your own job to do. You're never going to be you're never going to necessarily be delegating some task constantly to someone working for you. So if if you have a job, right. And you have this kind of set of tasks that needs to be done. It's not necessarily like there is constantly something that needs to be done every second. So that leaves a lot of time in the eight hours. And I think it's like being in the office can kind of create this, at least all the time. I think there is very much a place for being in the office and, really in person meetings, you can get a lot done and you can be very mm-hmm. effective. But just being in the office all the time, I think kind of creates this unnecessary pressure of almost you if you pick out like the office the average office worker, a lot of your time is spent pretending that you're getting busy. work done and pretending that you're busy because the there's just this kind of unspoken rule that like if you're at work and you're on the clock and you're hourly, you should be doing work. And you also don't always have work to do. Yeah. So it's just a lot of wasted time. And I think that is a very unfortunate thing. I'm not necessarily suggesting some solution to that because it's a difficult thing. But um, I think, I don't know, I I really like a hybrid model these days. What do you guys Mm -hmm. think about that?
2: For sure. Get the work done that's necessary in the office and then go home and monitor your email and do the BS work from home. Because that's what they want, right? A lot of times it's like, Yes, they have a task, but in management, they want you to be monitoring your email there if you're needed, still on your phone call, not off getting drinks at the bar with your extra time. So you get the model of where you go in for a couple hours and you go home, get your chores done, wrap up your work. That's the ideal.
0: Or you have like Tuesdays and Thursdays that you're in the office. Yeah, and all exactly. The, all the in-person meetings are on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You're kind of in there getting the the stuff that really is best served as in an in-person activity done on specific days and then kind of a little bit flexible the rest of the time. Right. I think that's kind of the, that's the model I like the most. For sure. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Personally. Because you're
0: fully remote now, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, kind of technically because one of my jobs, I'm like remote most of the time, but I have to go into like film content. But it's fun to go see people once in a while. It's just that I personally like fully, fully, fully home. That's just me because I, you know, not that I'm a hermit, but, you know, I like I like my space. It is my space, mm-hmm. my own. Sure. And that's where I have the most comfort. Of course, the most growth comes from when you leave your comfort zone. But just right now, I've, you know, two, the past two years have been kind of crappily, um, have been crappy financial wise. So right now, I'm just trying to enjoy it while I can.
0: I am. I was very glad to hear that you got this position, though, because it sounds like you're in just a great financial position between like the, the various gigs and things that you have going on collectively and the podcast, it seems like
1: it's it's just going to bring a lot of growth for you in general. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, bro. Thank you. And um, yes, thank you about that. It's just, um, you know, sure, they say money can't solve all problems. Well, they can solve a lot of my problems right now. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn right. Very true and uh speaking of new gigs and new opportunities devin i wanted to cover yours as well because
1: yeah i feel like i've been talking about me the entire time let's get the co-owner of the studio
0: yeah so devin tell us a little bit about your most recent promotion because pretty much every time we talk you've got a new promotion or a new facet of your job
2: yeah yeah at this point i can't even keep up with it they just give me new tasks and add to the title Um, But at this point,
1: hopefully they add to the pay, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So pay has been great. But I'm now a sales enablement training manager, which essentially means that my job is to take classes from um, the like when they get a new classes of people who they intend to hire. I take them to two to three weeks worth of a training process where they learn the way we sell things, learn the ways we talk to people, learn the technical aspects of solar and our panels and the things that we do. My job is essentially to take them from knowing absolutely nothing about solar to fully able to capable to sell $100,000 deals on a daily basis. So it's a pretty large process. And then even from there, we're taking them past that point and into the field and shadowing them and taking them with us and making sure they sell before we leave them anything. So being an enablement manager means essentially they're trying to assign me a territory. Right now I'm still a little remote as we figure out exactly where I'm landing. We're looking at Tampa. Um, but the idea is that I take an office from zero to hero as far as their sales and ability to speak to people and get information across correctly. And
0: that's that's most of what I do. So I could see that even becoming a position that's not – not centrally located to one city. I could see it being a traveling thing. Has it actually
2: is up? pretty much unlimitedly a travelling thing. Yeah. Like you're only tr- so I've already been traveling a decent bit for it in a lot of the positions. Yeah, I never like, know
1: what city you're in lately. Yeah, what's no, what's there. the coolest city that you has that brought you to?
2: coolest so far is probably Miami. Miami was really cool. I had a good time in Miami that weekend. We went to some really cool restaurants. I almost had a Bentley. It was, it was a good time. I remember I pulled up
0: Snapchat and you were in Miami at the same time as me. And I was like, what? We
2: just happened to be in Miami at at the same time. And so did Andy and y'all are just like, you in Miami right now? I'm like, of course y'all are I'm in
1: Miami trick. Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, Miami's great. I
1: miss (laughs) (laughs) LMFA. Right. They made three songs in like dips. I know. But party rock, but, um, uh, What's the name of the song uh party rock is in the house tonight I don't know the exact name of it, but party rock anthem I think it's called yeah yeah like party that. rock anthem yeah and those guys
0: they shine bright and burned out young very was... quick Oof. uh but right, yeah I'm no the the the, the
2: promotion's been great like i enjoy I enjoy training people, so i like enjoy getting to like actually try to instead of just I really learned the difference lately between just like speaking to people about something and making someone come to that conclusion in their own head instead of me just telling something to them and the differences between that, learning, like, neuro-linguistic programming how to use that in a house, how to speak to people on different levels, just a lot of different aspects of the job that I think have not only improved my ability as like a trainer, but also my ability as a salesman and a professional period.
0: We were talking about this concept of neuro-linguistic programming earlier today, actually on the phone. I wanted, we unfortunately got cut off. I kind of wanted to finish that dis- that uh, discussion. That was a really cool concept. Can yeah, you explain so, that?
2: Yeah, I'll go into a quick explanation. So neuro-linguistic programming are words or phrases They're specifically geared to elicit a certain type of thought or emotion from the person you're talking to. So the best example that I think you can use is when someone says once upon a time. Someone says once upon a time, and you're in a situation where you're talking, you're generally going to be gearing up for a story. You're gonna stop talking, you're gonna quiet down, you're gonna expect them to be telling you a tale that comes next. That's Those words naturally elicit a reaction in someone else. So there's a lot of different ways you can do that through sales. Um, another example that I like to use is when you say a lot of people. So if I say like a lot of people are going solar and a lot of people really benefit from this project and a lot of people have learned ways to save money, then I may say a lot of people 12 times in three sentences, and you're not really going to notice unless I point it out. We test it in all our classes. We say a lot of people six times in three sentences. We ask anybody to guess what the – we say neurolinguistic programming helps a lot of people. A lot of people see its benefits when they're doing sales. And a lot of people, once they hear about these magic words, find that they want to use them, a lot of people are seeing the benefits from them even till today you guys know any of these magic words? They sit there and they're like, no, no idea. What are you talking about? And we're like, a lot of people know these words and they won't hear them. Yeah, Because it's neuro-linguistic programming. It's meant it, we're not speaking to your conscience. We're speaking to your subconscious to gear it up to receive certain types of information. So that's what neuro-linguistic programming is. It's programming to be prepared to receive certain type of information by setting it up with words and phrases.
0: This is very timely too. And I was starting to tell you about this on our call earlier before we got cut off. But in my, so in my, uh, one of the classes I'm taking for my MBA program right now is organizational behavior and management. And we actually just last night, we're talking about this concept of talking about the concept of influence and Mm -hmm. how to, how to have influence in a positive way in an organization as a manager. What does influence mean to you? Influence to me means the ability to create action. In one way or the other, I would say. The ability to create action that might not have been present before. Hmm. So if you have an action that you would like to promote um, as a manager, if you want more sales in the sales department, you could curate your ability to have influence over sales being, being created in a lot of creative different ways. And that's probably something David could talk about better than I can being in the sales arena. But I, I would say my kind of concept of influence is the ability to create actions that are desired hmm. by you or someone else or in an organization like we're kind of talking about in my class. Got it. But the, uh, the particular part that stuck out to me a lot about talking about influence in this class was um, I, I think it's the same concept that Devin was talking about but my professor called them trigger phrases and we actually started off by talking about a study with birds that they did with red robins and these, yum. Yeah <laughs> yum <laughs> <laughs> But um there's these uh these red robins and they have um they have essentially just they have a red breast uh all of them do the males I think all do and they are, they're very competitive with breeding and territorial so if a, a male with a red breast comes into another male's territory the one in the existing territory will immediately attack him because he came into his territory and what some scientist was able to figure out was that the actual trigger of that is the red of the breast. So they actually were able to recreate that visceral reaction and also able to remove it by bringing in a red robin with, or maybe a different bird or one without the feathers or something, um, and it did not get attacked. And then they also just brought in red feathers by themselves and <laughs> the collection of the bundle of red feathers got attacked
2: that's exactly the kind of stuff it is we have different little things like like for example in a cell someone tells you that they want to think about it which is something you hear in every single cell you go into you finish uh, telling someone they should spend a hundred thousand dollars today before you leave this house and they say no nah, i want to think about it I'll, I'll make a decision tomorrow and you have to leave with them Having made that decision, one of the first things that you do is when someone says, I want to think about it, they immediately just naturally ball up. They're immediately like, I want to think about it. And then they're on defensive mode. Like they don't want you to try to break down their wall whatsoever. So they kind of, in a way, put their hands up, right, mentally, whether they notice it or not. So what we do when we hear that is we just respond. We say, you know, I I hear what you're saying. That tells me you're taking this decision seriously and really just want to make the best possible decision for your home. And then we start packing up our stuff and we ask them about pizza. (laughs) <laughs> um, and then they put their shoulders down and their hands come down and they stop thinking about them. And then halfway through the thing, we're like, so, you know, while you're doing your research and thinking about it, and we go right back into it as if nothing ever happened. But the whole point was that we took a whole, maybe five to 10 minute section of time just to rewire their brain to bring their guard down, to give them the exact same information. But just because we know that because they said, I need to think about it, that there's a trigger in their brain now where they're on defense mode. Something that we said instead of maybe saw like red feathers, right? Put them in this defensive mode, and now we have to figure out a way to dewire that without them noticing we're dewiring it. And so that's a lot of what it is.
0: Yeah, we covered... Um, so after we talked about the Red Robins, we covered like a, a case study of, of people, too, And it's a little outdated now, but the example that he used was about copying machines. And he kind of explained that back in the day, it was a big part of the kind of daily life of a student to have to make a lot of copies of like textbook pages from the library. So there would be these long lines. (laughs) We don't got to worry about that. No. Nowadays, you could just scan it with your phone and you're your gravy, or you could just get the digital copy.
1: I going to say, it's probably online already.
0: Exactly, it's probably online already. It's probably on Chegg or Quizlet. Shout mm-hmm. out to Quizlet and Chegg, getting me through college. Um, hope none of my professors are listening to that. But why did they? Kid? They
1: probably forgot your name. Very true. They probably very even true. never knew your name to begin with. Let's be real. Fingers crossed.
0: But um, so there used to be these long lines in front of copy machines in the library, and so they did this study back then during that, and they. They had um, like these people that they hired to be part of the study. And what they would do is they would have a stack of papers, and they would come in into a library, and they would go to the front of the line. And they would ask the person in the front of the line, basically, if they could skip the line. So they would come in, and they would say, First they started out doing it just simply by saying, hey, can I make a copy? I, have, I only have five pages or something like that. And they had basically a 60% success rate of being able to skip the line. So Whoa. over like hundreds or thousands or something of these trials. So it started at 60%, right? And then they, they lengthened the phrase a little bit and they said, Can I make a copy of this because I'm running late? And then they kind of ran with that, and they like used all kinds of different reasonings, like any reason under the sun, like my my dog is sick, my I've got to get back home, like because this, because that, because this, because that. This sounds like Amber Heard. My dog
1: stepped on a bee. Yeah,
0: (laughs) but like all kinds of different things, like they like all kinds of different trials, and what they found is that adding that little phrase, adding the like reasoning behind it, actually took the 60% up to above 90% in every single case. Really? And what they identified is that the trigger phrase was simp- – or the trigger word was simply because. Because, adding right. I was because about Because is like it rewires oh, – he has a real reason. It rewires someone's brain. And the most extreme example is after they had a little bit of fun with it and just tried all these different examples – they literally tried the example of, can I use the copy machine? I only have five pages because I need to make a copy, mm-hmm. which is just, just because. I bet it, that works just as well. It works it. just, yeah, that, just as well. It's the because word. Because of the, be, yeah, because it's, of
2: the it's because the well. attempt to explain yourself that changes it more than it actually is the explanation itself.
1: I see. I noticed that too, like in stuff that, you know, people yell at other people for stuff. It's like. I realize that because kind of makes the other person who the one getting yelled at makes them feel less sad or make them feel like their feelings are less hurt because there's a reasoning why they're getting yelled at rather than them just getting yelled at for the for the other person's pleasure
0: exactly another while we're kind of on the subject another quick takeaway from this kind of talk about influence is we talked about the different kind of genres or ways to, Exert influence in different ways, and one really surprising takeaway was that my professor showed this chart of different kind of categories of exerting influence. From basically, it went from um, from most commonly used to least commonly used, and the res- the most surprising thing was that the most commonly used one. Well, I guess first I'll ask you too like what do you think would be the most common type of influence to be used like the most the most common strategy for exerting influence
1: military mm.
0: it's a hard question because it's it's hard to ask it in a way that kind of it doesn't reveal the answer reveals right. the answer i'm looking for but i'm just kind of curious like as a lead in
2: yeah maybe it. body language that would be that'd be my guess okay I'd, so I'd with that.
0: it was more along the lines of like like so the most commonly used was rational thinking so like like logical, rational thinking. So kind of explaining it in logical terms. was right? the
2: most commonly attempted one?
0: So if you're trying to persuade someone of something, kind of explaining your reasoning logically and in rational terms was the most common way of trying to influence someone. Mm-hmm. And the least common was this uh, category of inspirationally. So trying to just inspire someone to take some kind of action. Mm. So rational, logical thinking at the top, most commonly used inspiration as least commonly used. And the point he was trying to make was that a lot of managers get this wrong. Right. So the rational and logical thinking actually had one of the lowest scores Rush. for actually being effective. That's what
2: I was going to say. Our our logic is that rational um, sales are almost useless. No one makes a decision rationally, no matter how much they want to pretend like they do. I've ran into so many people who think they make decisions rationally. Who think they're <laughs> they're an engineer. They know everything about how things work. They have a rational mind. They never show emotions with their family. They're just that type of guy. And I'll ask about their dog for 20 minutes and they have a whole different attitude just because that it's an an emotional thing. It's a trust thing. Pretty much every exertion of influence, every time you're trying to um, enforce what you want done or your will onto somebody else, it's an emotional transaction, whether that's just you talking to your girlfriend or your family or whether that's you selling a product or whether that's you influencing business, it's all emotion.
0: And yeah, at the you kind of made my point for me there at the bottom of the chart the least commonly used the kind of inspirational tactic was actually by far and away the most effective it had it had basically a zero percent resistance rate and a 90 percent success rate Hmm. there was like three different categories it was like resistance compliance and just like buy-in not the word they use but like actually buying in and so like compliance would mean like you do it but you're just doing it to do it. Yeah. Um so it was like a 90% buy-in rate for kind of exerting influence in a inspiring way and his point was that we're kind of wired to hear things in a story kind of way. We 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 like a story, we like to hear things that way like Devin was kind of talking about. So it's not only the least commonly used tactic, but by far the most effective. So if you take that to heart and kind of learn that and you want to create influence, hopefully in a positive way, the best thing that you can do to gain a competitive advantage in that is really try to approach it from kind of a storytelling and inspirational perspective.
2: And not only that, but one other interesting fact that kind of just like goes right on top of that is when you're talking to people, people don't want the story perspective or the inspirational people want to be talked to logically and rationally and that's how they want they don't want to feel like their emotions can be played with that they can be manipulated based on how you talk so you almost that's one thing that we find a lot throughout sales is that people will you know they'll want numbers they'll want facts, they'll want specs, and that's kind of the rational side of their brain talking, and that's what they want. And to convince someone of something, we actually have to give them it in almost the opposite order they want, where they, have, we have to get them emotional, we have to get them talking about themselves, we have to get them in a whole different state of mind so that they can make a rational decision with their emotions kind of working with them. So it's also not Something that necessarily is will be appreciated all the time using that inspiration and storytelling. That's something that I, f- I found throughout my whole life, not just in my sales career, but it's something that people maybe are a little apprehensive towards. So it's also yeah. something you have to – it's like a um, with great power comes great responsibility kind of thing. I did
0: Thanks, Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Spider-Man. That's the thing we talked about in the class too, and I do want to give a big fat <laughs> caveat here in that – you should not be using any of these tactics for malicious intentions. For sure. This is all meant to be used for positive change and positive influence. And in the context that I'm talking about it and should be used to influence someone in the direction that they want to be going in. In,
1: in a positive in a power, way.
0: In a positive way and to empower someone to create the kind of change that they would like to create. And it was kind of from the management perspective and it's one of the one of the strongest levers that you can pull as a manager or as a leader is kind of pushing people in a positive direction that they're trying to move in by kind of empowering them in that way and and creating that influence.
2: It's all about being genuine. The way you say things is important, but as long as the message you're trying to entail is genuine and honest. If you become the kind of person that will just tell any story to get someone to react the way you want, then you kind of get this, I want to say a reputation for that, but people BS meter becomes much higher. Like in sales, you walk into someone's house and their BS meter is through the absolute roof, Right, they're just waiting, looking for you to find anything that seems dishonest or, or sketchy. And people will get that way with you too. So you learn that doing it in a way that's positive, that's honest, that's for the other person's best interest, it winds up being actually the most effective way to get it done.
1: Yeah. Kinda reminds me of the boy that cries wolf.
0: Right. And and a kind of classic example of this is the politician. We talked about this in class too, is the the politician that just kind of brings up some story of someone they met on the campaign trail. Like this person
2: I met in Ohio who told me marry in Ohio and like, can tell any story they want attached to the end of that.
0: Ohio on her on her uh, potato farm. Like, but like they frame everyone, it as a story. They frame it as a story. They're making
2: shit up, but and they it framed it as a story with a person. It a
0: unfortunately, in those cases, even then, kind of works. But, it does work, but it's uh, that's kind of an example of using it in a less than positive way. That. Malicious and I, in a malicious way, even I I don't know unless you
2: did meet Mary on a potato farm, yeah, in which case it's not
0: right, and you really believe it, but uh, about that honesty, but yeah, it's good point. It's about that honesty and the genuineness, you Gen, got to be genuine uh, about it. Genuinity, um, huge point there. We've talked about this before. You should, in my opinion, at least, you should never be selling something you don't fully believe in 100%. Yeah, what are some other kind of sales tactics and like some of the main things that you try to convey to the people that you're training at these various locations that might not come as naturally maybe even things that are counterintuitive just some things that really set you apart in the world of sales
2: uh i definitely would say that a lot of sales are extremely counterintuitive if you're talking specifically in sales there's a few different ones like would you expect and a lot of this kind of fits in with the neurolinguistic programming, right? A lot of what you think you're delivering in sales or what your your customer wants to be delivered isn't what you're actually delivering. So for example, I do solar sales, so I go in a house and most of the time I'm attempting to give, you know, numbers and details about a solar system to my prospective client, right? Price and what the solar system actually does. And I'm selling solar system.
1: <laughs> solar system.
2: Right, right, right. A so a, a solar energy production system, not like space.
1: Yeah, that's what um, I was thinking. I'm like, ever, you have like the planets in a box or something?
2: No, no, no. Like a like a photovoltaic. Solar and
0: selling real estate over on the neighboring galaxy. Working on it. Working <laughs> on it,
2: man. One of those star sales yeah. classic. Um but no, it's about it's just about knowing what you're actually selling. So again, you're those are like the service level things, but we don't sell like our logic is we don't sell solar panels. We sell peace of mind and price protection so your electricity bill is going up all the time we can make that stop and we can give you peace of mind that your power will be on during a hurricane no one actually gives a fuck about solar panels people give a fuck about their power bill not going up and having power when um, electricity goes out so we're not selling solar panels because you don't want solar panels if i brought a solar panel in here and handed it to you you wouldn't you'd be pissed at me you want me to take it somewhere else Mm -hmm. but if i told you that I could put solar panels on your house tonight that made it so you no longer had a power bill, you'd probably be excited. So we, a lot of people go in um, to a sales situation, they give information, facts, and a price, and are curious why the other person doesn't want their product, because they have a good product, but really, you have to go in there knowing what you're selling, And then not only that, but believing in it. We talk about that so much as believing in. And then the biggest one is just teaching people how to take their belief in their product or what they're doing and put it into someone else. So we talk about how much you having to believe in it is so important. And I've brought that up so many times. But through training, what I've learned is the reason for that isn't only because it motivates you. It makes you more likable. It makes you more energetic. But it also is impossible to make someone else feel that way if you don't already feel that way to begin with. So by like one of my favorite neuro-linguistic programming phrases, again, would be like, I like you, Brody you're like me. That's one of the best ones that could possibly be. And people like us, when they see something like this, you know, they absolutely want to hear a little bit more about it, try to take advantage of it, save some money because they're, you know, money minded like you and I are. Now, not only have I made said I like you, I've said you're like me, which makes it similar. I've shown that I like this. I've said other people like this all in about a sentence. They're just telling you people would like to take advantage of this.
0: We had another case study last night in my class about that one right there that I like you. There was a car salesman for Ford, I want to say, that broke all kinds of records, like like smashed all kinds of records consecutively, because he would do this thing where every time someone bought a car from him, once a year, like for every person, he would send them a card in the mail, like a physical card in the mail that said simply, I like you, Joe. And... Like he just had the best return rate of anyone. People ca- really? just would come back and buy cars from him. i People like to be liked by people.
2: The number one salesman in momentum. He says when you and he worked in my office makes almost four hundred thousand dollars a year doing what he does. Um, he's trick to making so many sales more than anyone else in company history. He does the sale the exact same way, wraps up the exact same way, got a little more grit in a house. But really what is for him is it's follow-up. He calls them once a month and invites them to whatever holiday party he's having, All, all his customers. He literally follows up with them with an email or a call or text once a month. Hey, we're doing New Year's Eve, or um, New, Year's, yeah, New Year's Eve, everyone comes to the neighborhood, blows off fireworks, feel free to stop by with the family. They probably won't. Actually, 99 out of 100 of mm-hmm. them are not even going to consider it. But the fact that they got that invite, they got that text, hey, how's it going? Hey, what's going on with your system? Is there anything I can do to help? Puts a different level of personable on it. And we've seen you know, customers who will have – Major anger toward toward a different representative. We'll have this guy call him. He'll just talk to him completely normally. Nothing special. Just actually care for five minutes and completely dissipate their attitudes or anger. So it really is that follow up and that you know being genuine that makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I think that's oh. one of the most confusing parts about sales for people, at least in the 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 realm that I am. Is people come in with predispositions of what actually it takes to be a quality salesman, which kind of comes with being a quality communicator. And it just comes down to being honest, genuine, and actually believing in what you're doing instead of being sleazy and lying and just trying to make money. The best salesmen are the ones who are completely honest, for sure. I love that. Hmm.
0: Got another question I'm gonna ask both of you. Um, still in the, I'm stealing and kind of- Modifying? Modifying this question from a, a favorite interview show of mine, but Danny, I'll ask you first. What has been the most persistent thought on your mind as it pertains to your career
1: lately? The most pertinent thought?
0: Here's the most persistent thought
1: most that persi- as it
0: pertains to your career.
1: Even though that I might not be the best at what I do, um, self-pitying isn't going to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. I
2: love
0: that. I love that.
2: Absolutely. Preach that.
0: Doing something about it.
1: And
2: I think you're pretty fantastic at it, Dan. Uh, I
1: appreciate yeah. it. Thank Absolutely. you so much for Absolutely. Thank you, you too. What about you, Devin?
0: Yeah, What's been the most persistent thought on your mind lately as it pertains to your career?
2: Decentralization, decentralization,
0: decentralization. That one stream of money is
2: very, very dangerous, and multiple strings of money is much, much safer. So my goal lately has been... I obviously have my solar and my sales and training somewhat locked down or in a I know I'm going to be in, you know, that field for a very long time now through, you know, me and Brody's venture here with the podcast studio through some writings and some other things I'm working on, the ability to decentralize what I do and have multiple pillars that hold up my financial being and that I also enjoy and that bring me a certain amount of fulfillment is more important than actually how much money I'm making. That's what I've been focusing on lately.
0: That's awesome. What does having fulfillment in your career mean to you? Uh,
2: fulfillment for me, probably as far as in my career, just means, honestly, fulfillment in my career for me is an ability to continue to scale and make more money and drum up more business, and no one can tell me no. It really is that simple. Like, if I could consistently scale, you know, bringing people in the studio, selling solar, uh, making people buy books, whatever it wound up being, and there's no one that can fire me, and there's no one that can tell me I have to stop doing it, and there's no person above me, that's when I will feel that my career is absolutely kind of at that point. But so for me, that's, I don't want to say necessarily what I'm working toward in the short term, because, you know, I love what I do and I love where I am. But in the long term, my goal is to have three or four different pillars of things that all work independently. And that's what going to make me feel like my career is at that point.
0: When you get to that point of being fulfilled, what's next?
2: Uh, Go hang out in a third world country, helping out and writing books. Cool. Yeah, cool.
0: Danny, what fulfills you in your career?
1: What fulfills me? Hmm. You know, that's a great question because the thing is that when it comes to most businesses, I feel kind of selfish in the fact that it's not that video making or content creation is a passion of mine. I'm good at it, but it's not necessarily a passion of mine. See, the thing is that it's like I can help other people with their passions, and that's fantastic, but I like making the money from the skills that I made from helping people out with their Mm -hmm. passions if that makes sense yeah I don't career growth there we go exactly career growth and I think I'll officially have made it when I am at one of my houses and it's very similar to what he says and you know because I want to own two houses in my in my future one like my regular house and then my go away you know I need to like Adventure. escape house. Awake in a house. Yeah, a bunch but, of people do that. But either way, if I work at one of them and I just sit down and it's like 11:45 and I'm like watching, you know, TV, a favorite movie as I'm working, I'm thinking, you know, I've made it.
2: There's a moment that you're waiting for like a specifically, like, "Huh. This is nice." Yeah.
0: <laughs> With nothing else factoring into the decision but just the location where are those two houses
1: located for you where you at i think one of those houses will be in tampa or in orlando Mm -hmm. and then if i was to do it it would be uh, another one it would be like a log cabin either out in colorado or maybe even somewhere in canada
0: so is that kind of your like your getaway is being out in nature like the mountains like mountains
1: especially like during winter like for example like my most like it this is a really gloomy day for most people but for me an overcast sky um, you know kind of fog rolling in maybe snow would be ideal and I'm literally just sit, I'm just sitting up in my house just not cold warm and cozy just thinking this is all mine.
0: I like that.
2: Me and Danny are going to reply tire to the same place apparently it sounds like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know we'll we'll, we'll be a next door neighbors you know next door neighbors being 20 acres apart. From yeah. There. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Got
0: it. Just having your own space and being able to settle that's the goal i don't know i'm i'm too much of a nut i think i would go crazy i would go stir crazy i need to be
2: in a downtown
0: not a downtown but i think mine would be um mine would probably be on a lake somewhere like a like a nice lake house with like a boat or something like
1: yeah like down here or like somewhere like up north
0: Ooh, good question. Yeah,
1: you kind of done both enough to be able to study. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: The North Carolina and areas we've been in, is what's told me. Yeah, fun. my
0: mom and my stepdad live right on the lake up in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and I really like that a lot. That's pretty similar climate-wise. You get a little bit more distinct seasons there. It gets a little colder. Uh, I've also done something similar by just staying with a family friend up in Maine. That was really cool. I don't know if the look. It's hard for me to even choose a location. I guess just like, uh, you have to pick is- a
2: business hub, right? Because you can't be too
1: far from a business hub.
0: Um, but then I- again, it might be nice to detach a little bit from the business. Yeah, and that might be
1: well, true. speaking of North Carolina, I know Charlotte's a huge hub for business, but at the same time, Asheville is like a few hours away, <laughs> and that's Asheville's also cool. or
2: Atlanta. If you weren't too far from there, that's yeah.
0: obviously one of the oh, biggest. Oh, this is true. Yeah, the uh, well, my mom and stepdad live up, kind of near Charlotte. It's like uh, almost a. S- an outer suburb of Charlotte, so it's not too far from there. It's up in Lake Norman. um Yeah, I think just like a a lake somewhere, probably probably Florida or North Carolina or something, somewhere where there's more time out of the year for the lake. Right. No, you know, for the, sure. The that makes sense. Permits a little bit more often, but there you go. Yeah, just somewhere on a lake where you could just get in the water
1: enjoy yourself or skate bit. on it in the winter or skate on oh
0: yeah very true i am not the best at that but i have done that it oh fun.
1: i mean the only reason why i say that is i grew up playing hockey so yeah. uh,
0: i'm yeah. a really good skate. i can ice skate like a really champion. nice yeah yeah i'm really good after. i've done it twice ever the first time i did Hockey's it fun. it is the first time i tried ice skating i was kind of proud of myself because i had not fallen the whole time and so naturally, I got cocky about it, and I tried to do this little like pull up move on my friends. I like I was like skating up and tried to like pull up and do a little like turn, turn and like stop. Mm-hmm. Busted ass. Yep. There you Busted go. Busted ass. Humbled myself. I can probably unbelief. skate faster
2: than I can run. I think I, I think really? I, yeah I'm pretty I'm pretty decent on ice skates. Nice rollerblades are the exact same thing.
1: Might have to have a, a little hockey match between the two.
2: That'd be very fun. This Down.
1: <laughs> also, do you know what I noticed? Um, the mechanics for skating are very similar to the ones for skiing.
2: Yeah, they are mm. super similar. It's like the push out, kind of.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, to get
0: forward, and maybe also maybe that's
1: why I was even like able to do because I had skied <laughs> way before I tried ice skating. Probably because, um, like I said, the mechanics are very similar. Like, I've only been skiing twice, but, like, both times I didn't need lessons. And I, it's because, like, how I was moving. It's, like, it's also, like, in order to turn, it's very similar to how you stop in hockey where you do the mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, just, you know, your body has those, like, f- um, familiar mechanics that they just pull back to.
0: Yeah, and it's the the two different planes of motion kind of moving in concert, too, with, like, right. skiing versus skating. Did you do the pizza slice when you did the train? Of course, pizza french fry. Got to get the pizza, pizza slice. Pizza french fry. Yeah. <laughs> pizza french fry. Well, I have uh, one other question that's a, a repeat question of the show that I've been able to ask Devin. I'll probably kick it back to you for any kind of updated answer that you might have. But, Danny, I have not gotten to ask you this question yet since you've been on— Fire away. So the show is called Profession Session, and one of my big theses with the show is that really almost anything can be a profession. A profession looks different for anyone and everyone. Um, It's a little bit different. So I'm curious to you as someone I consider a professional. Oh, thank you.
1: What does it mean to you personally to be a professional? To be professional means to, one, besides make money from something, to hold yourself – to a non-childish version of yourself if that makes sense you don't have to be fully animatronic and you know not devoid of all feelings but at the same time you have to have a good head on your shoulders you you can't throw tantrums you just have to be an adult
0: hold yourself to a non-childish standard and be an adult just be an adult about whatever you're doing
1: yeah and um yeah that's all i can think of nice i like that answer yeah
0: my favorite part about asking that question is the answer is different from everyone you ask and it's always it always provides a unique kind of perspective about it Mm -hmm. sure Devin, has your answer changed at all Or, or even if it hasn't what is what does it mean to you personally to be a professional
2: i had put this out on the podcast before and just something dk said added to this so much it was like I believe that to be a professional, it's about having skills that you can then utilize and leverage to make money or serve other people and make money off of that. So I always use the example of being able to edit videos doesn't make you a professional. Being able to edit videos and getting paid for it doesn't be able to make you professional. Being able to edit videos so well that you will consistently be paid for that skill because you're good enough makes you a professional. So where you kind of said you don't like content creation, you like being able to do for other people and that it actually provides you money and will inevitably actually be a career for you. I think the fact that you look at content creation that way puts you leaps and bounds ahead of most creators in the direction of being a professional, because most of them see it as a creative outlet where you see it as a business. So you have the skill set that you've acquired and developed over a very long career. Um, to be in a photographer here in Orlando. And now you're able to take those skills and use them for not only making money for yourself, but for other people who might want photographers or editors or content creators that have your same skill set. So I think that's what makes someone a professional as much as anything.
1: Well, thank you very much. I love that. You
2: fall under that category for sure.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Very cool. Any questions you guys still have or any concepts you'd like to bring up?
1: Not any that I can think of, but just uh, what about you? You interview professions all the time. What's your overall take on that? On being a professional? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Brody, what do you think it means to be a professional?
1: I think it means very simply
0: always striving to be better at what you do in your career. Hmm. At no matter what you do in your career, you could be... I Here's another example I used on the podcast before, um, not too long ago. I saw a guy on TikTok recently that is the foremost exotic shrimp breeder. Just the most random okay. thing ever, but he's, he's making a living off of it, and he is trying to be the best exotic shrimp breeder. Uh, so, really, a profession could be anything, right? It's whatever you decide to make it, as long as it allows you to have a career and to grow in it. And I think being a professional, to me, Means knowing that you always need to be progressing in that. There's uh, there's a example that is very unfortunate, and that a lot of I think a lot of doctors get caught in a trap where they get through medical school and get out of medical school, start operating as a doctor, and are and medical school is so exhausting and takes so much out of you that they kind of stop learning and they just do what they learned in medical school, they become kind of stagnant in their learning. Of course, there's a lot of exceptions to that. I would like to believe that most doctors are not this way, but of course, some are. And I think that is the most unprofessional thing you can do is just get stuck in one way of thinking. Things are always changing. Especially in the field of science, um, in all professional fields, I think tech, always, business, and tech and business and, and content any, creation
2: changes every day.
0: Content creation changes every day. Any kind of exotic shrimp breeding probably changes every day for sure. <laughs> any kind of profession, any kind of career is always changing, and if you are always staying on top of that and trying to be better at it throughout your entire career, that's a professional to me. Boom. Fantastic. Glad you asked me that now instead of earlier because I actually realized like a few days ago I've been asking this question for weeks and have not
2: ever answered it yourself. Not ever answered it So you had a second to think about it before we gave it.
0: I did. So all all full transparency there, I did think about it before. but Good. But um, anything else you guys would want to talk about,
1: plug, go over? No. um, As always, I'm just uh, happy to be here. I was happy to have you. Thank you for being here course.
2: Yep. Happy to be here. I'll be back.
1: Awesome.
0: (laughs) And, um, yeah, thank you guys again for being on. If you are listening on audio, I'll plug everything that can help you find these two professional gentlemen in the show notes. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, it'll be in the details of the video. And until next time, thanks so much for tuning into Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. Stay tuned for new episodes every week and short clips of deep dives into specific topics that I put out on different social media channels. We could be found on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all major podcast platforms. You can find my guest in the details of this video or podcast. And if you happen to know a young standout business owner, professional, or entrepreneur that you would think would be a good fit for profession session dm me or get in contact with me anywhere and just let me know and they could be the next to tell their story here until next time again this has been profession session stay focused stay hustling and stay networking